This is the Smart Communications Smart Communications Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices voices, voices. Developing, developing the, the voices, voices determine nonprofits. Brought to you by Big, Big Duck. Duck. Okay, I'm here today with Wayne Ho, who's the president and CEO of the Chinese American Planning Council or CPC. CPC is the nation's largest Asian American social services agency. That's pretty awesome, Wayne. And prior to that, he served as the Chief Program and Policy Officer of the Federation of Protestant Welfare Agencies, or FPWA. FPWA is a 90-year-old network of over 200 community and faith-based organizations aiming to promote the social and economic well-being of vulnerable New Yorkers. He was responsible for expanding the policy, advocacy, community organizing, and capacity-building initiatives to achieve FPWA's economic equity agenda. He's got a really long and impressive resume of leadership roles, including a number of executive director positions. And before all that, when he was just a wee bairn, he received his Bachelor of Arts from UC Berkeley and his Master's in Public Policy from Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. Wayne's an inspiring leader who's extremely thoughtful about internal communications at his organization and in general. And so I invited him to join us today to talk about internal communication. So welcome, Wayne. Thank you for the invitation. Happy to be here. Really nice to have you here. Our team had a meeting with you a couple months ago, and you said something in that meeting that our team thought was really powerful, and I asked you to write a blog about it. That led to your blog, Three No's Equal Yes, which we're going to link to in the show notes so people can read it. But what was striking about your comment and sort of the thinking that you expressed in this blog is your consciousness as an executive director about internal communications. So do you mind just recapping kind of what you said and and maybe talking a little bit about what internal communications means to you? When I joined CPC, which uh, from my previous leadership, I used to run nonprofits that had 10 people and then 40 people, and then coming to a nonprofit like CPC that has 4,000 staff, I knew that I had to communicate differently. And there's three rules that I use for internal communications. No titles, no surprises, and no drama. Uh, And we can talk more about each of those three rules. But I think the main lesson is that as a leader of an organization, especially the new leader of a large organization, it's very important to be intentional and strategic and transparent in all your communications, or there's no way that you can carry out your vision for the organization. Why is that? Why would being unintentional or not transparent or opaque, I suppose, become a barrier? Well, I think as a nonprofit organization, it's always very important for us to make it clear what we're trying to accomplish. And it's up to the leader of this organization to motivate the staff and put a vision that can move not only the staff, but also the board, also funders and other stakeholders in the community. It's something that clients and constituents can stand behind. And that's why I think it's important as especially the new leader of an organization It's important for the staff to hear, what do you want to accomplish? How do I fit in that vision? How do we work together to accomplish that vision? And if there's mixed messages, or if you're not being clear and you're just being too generic, if you're not providing the proper details on how you want to lead, not just what you want to accomplish, then I think that the organization, especially a large organization, will continue to operate in silos and will not work together in a common direction. Hmm. So one vision, it actually 
actually reminds me of something I've talked to other leaders about, which is this idea that as leader of an organization, you you have this role to play, right? You're this figurehead. And, and maybe when you go to work, you put on the mantle of being the leader. It can feel a little bit like dressing up, but doing so allows you to express your vision, the vision of the organization, and play that role that's galvanizing and unifying. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I think that it's much like being a teacher or being a performer where I feel like you always have to be on. And that doesn't mean you can't be vulnerable. That doesn't mean that you can't uh, share your personality with your team. But what it does mean is that you have to be very conscious and intentional about how you are engaging with senior staff to the line staff of the organization. Someone who is a leadership coach to me once told me, Think about the ideal qualities of a leader that you want to be. Mm. Now, make a list of every action and behavior that you do that carries out and fulfills that image of a leader. And think of every action and behavior that you do that does not carry out that image of the leader. And what you need to do then is maximize and do more of the good qualities and behaviors and minimize or completely cut out all the bad behaviors or bad actions of that leader. It's amazing. It sounds like a very conscious discipline for you. So let's talk about those three rules, which you call the three no's. Can you unpack those a little bit more for us? Sure. So the first rule is no titles. And what I mean by that is when we're working with the senior team, Everyone who is part of CPC has their job descriptions, they have their roles and responsibilities, but when we're in this room and we're talking about what is our strategic direction, or we're talking about some crisis that has hit the organization, or we're talking about how do we deal with the federal budget, it's up to everyone as a leader of an organization to get together and strategize together and brainstorm. And that's why I have the no titles rule, which is when we're in this room, We're all equal leaders of this organization. We can all weigh in from our perspectives on how to address an issue. And that's what the no titles rule is about, is that it's trying to promote participatory leadership. It's trying to promote open dialogue. It's trying to promote opportunities for everyone to weigh in and to have the opportunity to lead. What I do think is important, though, about the no titles rule is to make it clear that once a decision is made, then it's up to everyone to stand behind this decision internally and externally and communicate it to their staff, communicate it to the clients, and communicate it to other stakeholders. Do you go into a meeting reminding your team this is a no titles meeting? How do you bring that to life and keep it top of mind so people do it? Sure. I think there's times where when the conversation is flowing well and everyone is communicating well that I don't need to bring it up. But there's other times when we're having these conversations or questions arise, I remind folks, remember, there's no titles. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the CFO. I want to hear from the development director. I want to hear from the chief program officer about, for example, and human resources issue that's going on, or a legal issue, or a real estate issue, that it's no titles, it's all way in. So your second rule is no surprises. How does that come to life at CPC? So no surprises, I think, becomes very important when you are the leader of an organization, and you want to make sure that you know all the good and the bad, and you want to make sure you know all the uh, perspectives of what's going on. And I think the worst thing to ever happen is that you come into a meeting and you find out that a funder that you're trying to cultivate stopped funding you because you weren't successful at implementing the grant five years ago, 
or you meet with a politician and the politician might not like something that you've done as an organization, or you're meeting with another partner organization and you're trying to do a collaborative program together and you find out that there was a failed collaboration a few years ago. So especially as a new leader of an organization, you don't want to be surprised And I think this rule works both ways. It's not just for me as the CEO to make an informed decision. I think it's also for senior staff all the way to line staff for them to know what's going on in an organization because it promotes buy-in. So for example, you don't want to be the communications director. And the first time you see the CEO on TV is the first time you know about it, that there's an interview going on. Or if you happen to be the person running our senior center, and the first time that you find out that you're not going to get renewed for funding happens to come from an outside source, as opposed to the leadership of the nonprofit. So I think the no surprises rule works both ways, that everyone needs to be up to speed on what's going on in an organization. So it sounds to me like the no surprises rule probably relies on two things. One is for people to actually do their homework, right? To do some research or do some background digging in before they take on an issue. But I think the other and more significant thing you're talking about is proactive communications that to use your media example, if you're on the air and I'm the communications director and I'm surprised to see you're on the air, it's because somebody hasn't proactively communicated that to me. And that's the kind of thing you're you're asking your people to step up and take responsibility for. So how do you do that? How do you cultivate a no surprises culture at CPC? Too many times I think organizations wait to communicate when there's a meeting or when the scheduled meeting with the leadership team is two weeks from now. So we'll talk about at that point. I think there has to be a lot of different communications among organizations and communicating in a way that people can receive the message. So whether that's via email, whether that's via text messaging, whether that's dropping into people's offices, picking up the phone. Um, Once again, CPC has 4,000 employees, 33 locations, 50 programs. So we're not all in the same space. So we need to make sure that we communicate regularly and we all need to keep each other up to speed on what's going on. And I think it's just as important to communicate well in scheduled meetings and settings as it is to communicate regularly and often and make it clear what decisions are going on or what information people need to know before they start interacting with others. And think about the the channels and tools that are going to reach them most effectively. I'm curious how you implement a no surprises policy with your board. As things are going on, if there's a crisis or even good news, do you have some ways you like to keep your board up to speed and communicate with them? Sure. So my board chair and I have biweekly phone calls. So I make sure that there's an agenda. I send them any information beforehand so that she can review it. And during these calls, we have open conversations about what's going on, including things that are not going well or things that we really need to work on or an unexpected issue which arose, which the board needs to know about or needs to weigh in on. It's also during a lot of phone calls or emails take place between board members and myself. What I also try to do is every one to two weeks, sending an email to the board to get let them know what are some accomplishments or key activities or successes that we've had recently, as well as surfacing what issues have arisen. One thing I have learned, though, is that it's really up to the staff, as you said, to do the proactive analysis, as well as coming up with recommendations and options on how to address an issue. So I have learned that 
we do need to do our homework and present these options and recommendations to the board as opposed to just saying, oh, this thing hit the fan and we need to address it as opposed to this hit the fan, here's the background, here's three options we're looking at, this is our recommendation, and then we work with the board to figure it out on the best recommendation. So no surprises and here's a path forward. So your third rule is no drama which is a really great one, I think, for any organization. But tell us about what no drama means at CPC. I remember when I heard that President Obama told his White House staff, no drama. And that always resonated with me because there's so much drama in the families that we serve, in the communities that we're located in. There's already a lot of drama with what's going on politically, what goes on as a nonprofit where we always need to raise funding to how do we measure our impacts to there's a lot of pressures and community members coming to us for help and we might not have the expertise or capacity to do so. So the no drama rule for me is that because there's so many forces and so much drama in the communities that we're serving, that we as CPC, especially as the leadership team of the organization, let's not have drama amongst ourselves. Yes, we'll always have strong personalities. Yes, some people are going to be closer to others. And yes, there's always going to be conflicts and difference of opinions and disagreements. But let's not have drama amongst ourselves. And that's something I always try to promote at CPC is that we are one team. We are moving in a common direction. You're all leaders of this organization. And just because you have disagreements or conflicts does not mean that we should let that linger because we're all here on behalf of the community. We're all here on behalf of the organization. And that's why I encourage staff members who might be having disagreements between them before it becomes drama and others hear about it. Let's work one-on-one together and address these issues between us. So do you have any tips for people who are working, who are trying to create a no drama environment and there's a lot of drama? Do you confront those people? How would you encourage somebody to manage something like that? I think the main thing I've learned is that in order to make sure there's no drama is that you really need to build trust. So spend a lot of time building community amongst the leadership team. So that means spending time together in formal meetings. That also means that during people's birthdays or during people's work anniversaries, let's celebrate that together as a leadership team, finding the opportunities to either have lunch together or have finding opportunities to have happy hours together. I think it's important to build team uh, amongst a leadership team. I think the other way that I've learned to promote no drama is that I always tell staff and I've also told the board that we will always have honest, tough conversations. So even if it might be hard to hear, we need to have tough conversations because it's not about us. It's about the community. That's awesome. I actually just finished listening to a really interesting interview with Ruth Bader Ginsburg in a podcast called The Boss Files with a a CNN correspondent, Poppy, I think it's Poppy Harlow. And one of the things Justice Ginsburg talks about is when the justices are going in to sit or convening around something, they always begin every day by shaking each other's hands. Everybody must shake hands. They always eat lunch together. And then they regularly travel together and they create all kinds of Context in which they effectively have to hang out together, which you could imagine with the political spectrum on the bench probably could be challenging. 
But she was talking in this interview about how essential the relationships become because of those personal threads. So I think a lot of people don't like what feels like forced socializing or or forced playtime with their colleagues, but it really has an intrinsic benefit. Yeah, and I found that to be true, too. And I remember when I started moving up in the different organizations I've worked at and then becoming an executive director, it was awkward for me to be the one say, oh, it's someone's birthday. I got to make sure I say something about their birthday or someone is having a baby shower and I want to say something about them becoming a parent. I remember it was very awkward when I first started, but I got used to doing it. And I've also gotten feedback that not only does that employee that we're acknowledging appreciate it, but everybody else starts seeing that this is the type of culture that we want at the organization, that people are recognized not just because they're staff members carrying out their roles and responsibilities, but they're also people who have value unto themselves as a part of our team. Yeah. And I think as a leader, if you feel personally uncomfortable doing some of those things, again, if you imagine it's not you, the individual, it's you, the person playing the leadership role, you kind of shift your perspective and it feels more normal. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Something else that I do to try and build teams is actually doing icebreaker questions at the beginning of meetings. And there's always a joke amongst the staffs that I've been part of, which is, oh, you're going to make us do another icebreaker. And half of them hate icebreakers. The other half really like icebreakers. But after I've transitioned out of organizations, the people that really hate icebreakers have always told me, I know I hated icebreakers, but it did help us become a team. I did learn a lot about individuals there. And there's team members I never thought I'd be close with that I found that I had more in common with them. Awesome. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for joining me today. It sounds like you're running a very healthy, internally communicating organization. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much. This is the Smart Communications Podcast, developing the voices of determined nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck. Big Duck is an agency that puts smart communications in the hands of nonprofits. We help our nonprofit clients develop strong brands, strong campaigns, and strong teams that advance their missions and achieve their goals. Connect with us at BigDuckNYC.com.